Welcome to Fork You. I'm your host, Adriel Joy. Today, this is a heavy hitter, y'all, and it's going to be a two-parter as well. In 1992, a horror movie titled Candyman came out. That movie is about a dude with a hook hand being summoned to reality by a college student while researching the myth behind the man. Then a lot of people died, and so on. I always confuse it with Silence of the Lambs back then because the covers are shockingly similar. Currently, there have been three total Candyman movies made. The last was in 1999, the year I graduated high school. I am going to tell you a story about the Candyman. But the horrible man I am about to discuss is not the man from these movies. He's far worse and way more evil. I wish the man I am about to discuss was a myth that could be researched and made to disappear. Dean Coral was a real man, a real serial killer, a real demon. Coral was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana on Christmas Eve of 1939, the first child in his family. Seven years after he was born, and four years after his younger brother was born, his parents split up. Coral's father was then drafted into the Air Force, so his mom sold the family home and moved everyone to a trailer in Memphis so that the boys could be closer to where their father was stationed. And although their marriage had been plagued with disagreements and fighting, neither parent wanted to punish the children for their actions. After four years apart, Coral's parents reconciled and got remarried in 1950. They then relocated the family to Pasadena, Texas. For those of you who don't know, Pasadena is a suburb on the outskirts of Houston. Alas, the reconciliation did not last long, and the couple divorced for the second time three years later in 1953. Despite the repeat failure by the couple, the divorce was amicable, and the kids visited regularly with their father while custody was given to their mother. Coral's mother remarried a traveling clock salesman not long after the second divorce, and the family moved up to Vider, Texas. A little sister even joined back then in 1955. Vider is still a small town, with barely over 10,000 people living there, so I can only imagine how small it was back then. Also, something super fun about Vider is that it is known for being the most racist city in Texas, if not the entire country. Known to be a safe haven for Ku Klux Klan activities and people, it is also considered to be a sundown town, meaning that no African Americans were allowed out after sundown. That is so disturbing. I wish this city were claimed by another state other than my beloved Texas. Actually, I wish this city didn't <laughs> exist at all. The government even tried to step in and add some color to the town by moving African Americans in through public housing. The Klan literally ran them out of town. That was not in the 1950s, y'all, when Coral lived there. That was in 1993. I say all this so you have a grasp on the area that this man was being raised in, a city filled with hate, prejudice, and superiority. Coral's family started a small candy company called Pecan Prince out of their garage after moving to Racistville, USA. Coral and his brother were in charge of running the candy machines and packing the candy up when they were not at school, and their stepdad would then sell the candy on his sales route, mainly in Houston. Throughout this period, Coral maintained decent grades in school, dated every now and then, but was pretty much a loner. 
In high school, his main interest was playing trombone in the brass band. Now, my boyfriend is a trombone player, so I feel the need to let you know that they affectionately refer to themselves as boners. <laughs> yeah, boys will be boys. The next decade was a tad busy, but here's the gist of what happened. Coral graduated high school in 1958, right before the family moved again, this time back to the northern suburbs of Houston, to continue to grow the candy business. His grandfather died, and Coral moved to Indiana in 1960 to live with his grandmother during that time. FYI, it was not because he loved her and wanted to be like a super nice guy, it was because his mother asked him to. In 1962, he moved back to Houston to help with the business again, moving the candy business into the city to the Houston Heights neighborhood. A year later, in 1963, his mother and stepfather got divorced, and Coral's mom opened a new candy shop titled Coral Candy Company, and he was named the vice president. The same year the Coral Candy Company opened, Dean received his first sexual harassment complaint. A male teenage worker complained to Coral's mother, telling her that her son had made sexual advances towards him. She fired the teenager. In 1964, Coral was drafted into the Army, and he served with an unblemished record until mid-1965, when he was released on a hardship discharge so that he could come back and help his family with the company. It is rumored that Coral's first homosexual relationships occurred during the time he spent in the Army. He kept most of it secret, only telling a few close friends. After he returned from the army, his mother moved to Colorado and Coral took full control of the candy store. It was then that Coral met David Brooks, a 12-year-old boy from the area, and he started up a secret relationship with the child. Guys, the Coral Candy Company stood a mere two miles from where I am currently recording this episode. I had no idea when I moved into this neighborhood that a reign of terror and murder had taken place less than 40 years before. And you know that I drove over there after learning of the location because I simply had to see it. The building the candy store was in was torn down not too long ago to make way for condos. And the Helms Elementary School, where a lot of his victims came from, remains there still. It's pretty creepy. Before diving into the heavy stuff, let's talk about candy for a moment. Candy has been around for a long time. A long time, guys. Like, back to ancient India, somewhere around the 4th to 6th century. And why India? Because of their sugar cane, of course. Back then, Persians and Greeks even heard rumors of a crop that produced honey without bees, and they were soon on the sugar train as well. The word candy is Sanskrit from the word shakara, which just reminds me of shakira, and I'm not mad about that. I mean, her hips are basically made of sugar. Am I right? The OG candy was called Conda and was made by boiling sugar cane to create juice, which then hardened. Basically, this was the first sugar cube. Before sugar, candy was made from honey. And if we're being honest, it still should be as far as being healthier for you than sugar. But as with anything, too much of it can be bad for you, and in minimum, it can be just fine. The first honey candy was developed by China, the Middle East, Egypt, Greece, and the Roman Empire. Honey was used to coat fruits and flowers, preserving them to eat as candies later. Surprisingly, candy was originally used for medicinal purposes. These first candies were mainly used to calm tummies and aid in digestive problems, which were very common during that time. 
sound like any other drugs we know that are now bad for us? I don't know, maybe like cocaine, ecstasy, LSD. And yes, I did just compare candy to illegal narcotics, and I did that on purpose. In 1885, a cartoon by Joseph Kepler called Puck had an image of associating candy with death and illness in a piece titled Mutual Friendship. And in 1906, it was determined that the additives being used in foods and candies were harmful and led to the Pure Food and Drug Act, the very first federal U.S. law regulating food and drugs. In the 13th century, the word candy, as we know it today, became more commonly used. And in the 18th century, Britain and France introduced candy to America. Since there were very few trained confectioners back then and sugar was not as easily accessible, candy was mainly just for the rich. Even rock candy, the simplest of all the candies. The Industrial Revolution is responsible for candy becoming what it is today, making sugar available to every market. This made candy available to the common folk, not just the rich anymore. Candy started to be mass-produced by factories in 1847 after the candy press was introduced, like Willy Wonka, and became a staple for children of the working class, especially after penny candies were introduced and the kids would spend their own money on those treats. Sugar candies like this are classified in many different types, sometimes pushing chocolate into confectionery instead of candy. The oldest branded candy in America is a good old purple and white candy, good and plenty. I loved those things as a kid. I'm not really sure why, because I'm sure there were far better sweets around by the mid-80s for me to gnaw on. Perhaps it was because they're not very sweet. I'm not a huge sweets person, so that could be it. Nonetheless, I'd rather enjoy these candy-coated licorice candies that showed up in Philadelphia in 1893. In America, the most popular candies vary by state, but some of the most consistent winners are M&M's, Milky Ways, and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. One of my favorites, Swedish Fish, take the title in Georgia, while Alabama chews on candy corn the most. Did you know that Leo Hirschfeld, the inventor of the Tootsie Roll, also invented jelly powder, a gelatin dessert? Yeah, he did that, and he did so before Jell-O even came around. Did you also know that cotton candy was invented by a dentist? Can you believe that? A dentist! In 1887, William Morrison, DDS, teamed up with John Wharton, a confectioner, to create a machine that would turn sugar into a treat. They originally named it Fairy Floss, but it was changed to cotton candy in 1920. While we're learning stuff, the M's in M&M's stand for Forrest Mars and Bruce Murray, who invented the candy-coated favorites. Lifesavers used to be square until inventor Clarence Crane visited a pharmacy and was inspired by the mints that were out for the patients to take. A licking machine? Yes, apparently that is an actual thing. Licks a Tootsie Pop anywhere from 364 to 411 times to get to the center. Pez is German, coming from the word <laughs> Pfeffermans or peppermint. <laughs> and was originally created as an aid to help smokers quit the nasty habit. Ronald Reagan loved jelly beans, as do I, and they even have an energy jelly bean. Snickers were called marathon bars in England until 1990 because Snickers rhymed with knickers. Seriously. <laughs> Rolling my eyes, that's crazy. An open bag of candy corn can last over six months. I feel like that shows how unhealthy they are for us, aside from them tasting like crap. 
Many of Roald Dahl's creations in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory are now available by the Willy Wonka Candy Factory, which was started by Quaker Oats. Pez used to have a chlorophyll flavor at one point. Why on earth was that a thing? Three Musketeers were originally Neapolitan, meaning chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. And that is why there is a three in the name. It used to take 27 hours to make one tiny baby peep. And now it takes six minutes. Dots are gluten-free and vegan-friendly. And the Red Vines versus Twizzlers rivalry goes way back. It's super intense and fiercely debated. In case you are wondering, I am Team Red Vines all the way. Next week, I'll cover some healthier swaps you can make in lieu of these sugary treats. But today, I'm going to talk about rock candy. It's fun, it's colorful, it's super simple. It's just water and sugar. <laughs> Literally, it's just water and sugar, guys. You can add coloring and flavor into it if you want, but essentially, it's just those two things. I made rock candy in elementary school as a part of a science experiment, and it was awesome. I was unable to eat it at the end of the experiment because I grew up in Austin, Texas, and one of our favorite bugs down here, aside from the pleasantly and totally purposeful mosquitoes, are the ants. Fire ants, regular ants, flying ants, sugar ants, they're all super fabulous. And my rock candy was eaten by sugar ants, instead of by me. Stupid thieves. It looked awesome though, so that is really all that matters, right? It really is simple. You boil two cups of water, add in four cups of sugar until it's dissolved. You can even put the water and sugar into a microwave-safe bowl for four minutes, stirring halfway between and then after, and then let it cool down for about 15 minutes. While it is cooling, you can add in flavors or food coloring to the mixture. Now think outside the box. Use Kool-Aid to add flavor and color at the same time. Use extracts like mint or vanilla or even add in natural flavors like lemon, orange, berry, whatever. You can even mix and match. For instance, I'm making a color-free mojito version using lime juice and mint extract. Yum, I have to be really careful with the mint. Mint extract is super strong. So if I use too much, it will basically just be a mint rock candy. Now, after this 15 minutes are up from letting it cool, divide the solution into clean, dry containers that you plan to make the candy in. I am using mason jars. For most things, I use mason jars, to be honest. You can do one of two methods, a string or a stick. Now, with a string, you need to tie a weight on one end, like a paper clip or something like that, and then tie it on the other end to something that will reach across the entire mouth of your container like a pencil. Next, place the weighted string into the sugary solution all the way and then pull it out, laying it down and let it dry. This will create sugar crystals that the solution will be drawn to to help create your rock candy. Put tape or something like that on the top of the pencil item holding the string. With the stick method, you get a stick like you would use for, you know, lollipops. And you dip it into water and then roll it into sugar. I did that like three times to make sure I got enough on there. And this creates the same crystals for the solution to be drawn to as dipping the string into the solution above did. Place the stick directly in the middle, but do not allow it to touch the very bottom. 
Use something to hold the stick without it moving around, like a clothespin that will lay across the mouth of the jar. Whichever you choose, cover it after placement with a paper towel and leave it in a cool, dry place where it won't be disturbed or moved around at all. This means also like don't leave it next to a stereo because you probably don't think about that because it's not moving, but the vibrations from all of the noises actually do move that and it can make your rock candy like not really set or take a really, really long time. Now in about a week, you will have rock candy. Yes, I know, it's a long time to wait, but science isn't always instant, guys, and you get to create something that you can then enjoy later. It's pretty awesome. Kids love rock candy, and all candies of the sort because they are sweet and they're a treat from their normal food. Dean Coral knew this as well as he would hand candy out to the elementary school children that would come and go from the area around the shop to the school and whatnot. This is how he first got the nickname, The Candy Man. Kids would go to the shop knowing he would give them treats. If only they knew what kind of treats he would have in store for so many of them. From 1970 to 1973, Coral is known to have murdered at least 28 victims that we know of. They were all male and ranged in age from 13 to 20, but the majority of them were in their mid-teens. Next week, I will not only unwrap my rock candy, but I will unwrap the story of these 28 victims and the vicious deaths they endured at the hands of the candy man. But try your hand at making your own rock candy and let me know how it turns out. I'll talk to you next week, but until then, don't take candy from strangers, y'all. Fork You is written and produced by me. If you want to show me some love, look on down there and give me a little five-star action. You can also head over to my Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can become a donator. Want to stay up to date with me? Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Fork You the Pod. Stay fabulous, go out this weekend, and get forked up.